Welcome to the Fat Fuel Family Podcast, where every week, Danny and Maura Vega discuss topics that help families live a healthy and active lifestyle with their little ones, including nutrition and training, peaceful parenting, education, and mindset. To stay up to date, make sure to hit subscribe on this podcast and check out the blog at www.fatfuel.family. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram at dannyvega.ms, at fatfueledmom, and at fatfueledkids, and fatfueledfamily on YouTube. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, I just wanted to take a quick minute to talk about our sponsor, Keto Brick. As you guys know, I have been around since the very beginning when it was just an idea, when Robert was getting ready for the show that took him pro and he needed something to help him hit his macros. And I've seen it grow into the company it is today. Um, just so proud of my friend and I'm so proud of the company he's built, the people he's been able to help as he has several people who work for them. And so he's actually helping people make a living doing this now, which is just unbelievable and so inspirational to me. If you don't know what keto bricks are, they are shelf-stable fat bombs, for lack of a better term. They are 1,000-calorie bricks, and they have great ingredients. They have ketogenic macros, usually like 88 to 90 grams of fat with 30 grams of protein, and then the carbs are anywhere from 9 to 14. Super low-carb, super keto-friendly, and you can do all types of cool stuff with them. I tell everybody my favorite is keto brick cereal. I chop it up into little chunks and serve it with a bowl of cereal with uh, almond milk or goat milk, which is my favorite. They have several flavors. They now have vegan and whey options. So they have the whey protein peanut butter as well as the old school pea protein peanut butter, which either one of them is easily in my top two go back and forth between those and the toasted almond coconut. So definitely go to www.ketobrick.com, get yourself some bricks and use Vega for a chance to win a whole month supply of bricks. Welcome to the Fatfield Family Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Vega, and I'm joined by no one today because we, if you guys haven't seen, we've been a little bit missing for the last couple of weeks. We have a lot of cool new stuff happening with the podcast. We're going to revamp a little bit. Uh, new intro. Um, these last couple of weeks of the year, guys, you're going to see, besides this episode, we're going to be sharing um, some of our favorites from this year, in case you missed them. And we're going to do a year in review episode. But other than that, we're going to be gearing up for next year um, and bringing on a bunch of you know really cool people. Uh, we just want to, we haven't done much to update the podcast recently, so we're going to do that. And um, other than that, I know you guys probably have seen on social media, I had an epic week. I, I spent five days in Arkansas in the middle of nowhere, absolutely no service. Even if I, when I tried to get service, uh, I couldn't have it. Like Robert had like a, a booster, like a signal booster. And I think somehow the first day I was there, I was able to get a post out there and then that was that, you know, I, I kind of gave up a few days into it. And then on Friday morning, I had to wake up at 345, uh, drive over to Texarkana Airport, and then fly to Cabo <laughs> to meet Maura in Cabo uh, for an epic weekend over there. We, we had been to Mexico in the last three, four months. We've gone three times. So wow. Mexico's awesome. Let me tell you guys, man, Mexico, for the most part, even this place, they said, you know, they, they were really strict with the masks, but it wasn't true. Like when, when you got there, you know, they kind of just 
some people uh, that worked there were a little bit nervous and stuff. So um, they would say, please put on your mask. And, you know, we would put it on for a second or two and then take it off. And But for the most part, like Mexico is super chill. So really. Did you have to test PCR test? No, no, no. Are you seeing that like with uh, some countries uh, coming in negative tests? Yeah. Puerto Rico, even even in the states, different states are requiring different areas in, in different cities but uh that's good to know you're about talking Mexico. about internationally or or if i fly Both. into a, wow like boston I, boston for some time was requiring it i don't know if they still are puerto rico is but then for sure if you go outside of the uh, side of the country so i'm sure like if if you buy a, a ticket to one of these places you will you'll uh they'll, they'll tell you right like they'll say hey by the way you need to um you yeah know, you they'll know. tell you ahead of time for sure okay yeah. That would suck. <laughs> oh my god, totally, dude. So, all right, we we got you on, and and you know everybody knows who you are, but let's let's just reintroduce everybody. So, if you guys don't know Ben Azadi, he is on a mission to help one billion people lead a healthier lifestyle. Ben's the author of three best-selling books, about to be four: the Perfect <laughs> Health Booklet, the Intermittent Fasting Cheat Sheet, and the Power of Sleep. Ben has been the go-to source for intermittent fasting and the ketogenic diet. He's known as the health detective because he investigates dysfunction and educates, not medicates, to bring the body back to normal function. He's got a new book called um, Keto Flex Diet that's due in the coming months. Um, and one more thing I did want to ask you, brother, before we get started. Um, oh, you you kind of cut your teeth with, with, I remember seeing your stuff with like Dr. Daniel Pompa um, back in the day, like we never spoke about this. What, what kind of, how, how did you get started? Not, not so much with the diet, but like kind of getting involved with like sharing the message. And, um, because by the time we met, you had already had like those two books or three books. So how how did that all come together? Yeah. Well, thank you for the invitation to be on your show, Danny. Always, I love brother. what you're doing, brother. You're just <laughs> a, a bright light in this world. Thank you, uh, man. Likewise. So, thank you, dude. So for myself, I got into the health and fitness space in 2008, where I went through my own transformation. I was actually obese for most of my life. Uh, I, I was 23 years old. I weighed 250 pounds, physically and mentally obese, lost in life, just tiptoeing my way through life. One of those people who were asleep. Mm-hmm. And I hit rock bottom where my girlfriend at the time left me. I was devastated. I had no mental discipline or strength. So I was just hurting so much at that time. So I was depressed. I was suicidal. And uh, I even went on the internet several times to look for ways to, to end my life and end the suffering. Wow. But, but thank God, every time I did that, I thought about my mom and it would stop me. So I was introduced books. You know, my best friends gave me some books. Uh, the first book I read was The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson, which taught me these small little decisions that we make every single day that could compound over time. And then I, it led me to other books and other incredible authors like Wayne Dyer, oh. Proctor, yeah, Lisa Nichols. I just became obsessed with these amazing people, Danny. You read, you read Your Erroneous Zones? That's a good one. Short. Oh, short you're, yeah, there. I have it right back here. Yeah. So <laughs> he's such a legend, uh, yeah. Wayne Dyer is. And then so it, what it did for me at that time was for the first time, I took responsibility. I said <laughs> those words out loud. I am responsible. And I became the victor of my future. Stop being the victim of my past. And I started to focus on my health. I started to work out. I did P90X. Awesome. I, <laughs> I read Men's Health Magazine at the time. And nine months from that moment of taking ownership, I lost 80 pounds. I went from 250 down to 170, 34% body fat down to 6% body fat, <laughs> size 38 waist to size 30. 
And I finally carved out a physical six pack. But the most important thing that I achieved was this mental six pack. I was able to actually think better thoughts. So that's what got me started in the health space. I became a certified personal trainer. I opened up a CrossFit gym, sold the CrossFit gym here in Miami. And then I came across the work of uh, Dr. Daniel Pampa. Yeah. Uh, several years ago, I went to his conference in Boca and then Las Vegas, and I fell in love with his message. And he has an organization called Health Centers of the Future. And there's a program that he has called the Platinum Program. And in this program, he teaches other doctors all across the world everything that he knows, right? All of his protocols for heavy metals detox and how to fast the right way, how to feast the right way. And his message landed with me so much. So I connected with him and he's, he uh, extended that opportunity for me to join his organization. So he's been my mentor, my coach for over two years now, along with other amazing doctors like Dr. Mindy Peltz, who has a big following on YouTube. She's a colleague. So that's what got me started. And uh, we're just so excited here at Keto Camp to get the message out there to the world, dude. I love it, man. Um, you reminded me another one. I don't know if Wayne Dyer wrote it or if it was... Um uh what's his name the functional training guy well it started as functional training but he's on a whole other uh level um he talked about the last four doctors you'll ever need i think it paul was, check paul check yeah that's yeah. what it was you you read that one that's a that's a great one too oh uh, yeah how to healthy how to eat healthy and, and how to i forget that book but how to eat move and be healthy by paul check that book is still accurate to this day that book Dude, is amazing 100 percent. like i mean if anybody especially i think physicians should read that because I feel like that's the first step in like, you know, unschooling yourself from this like symptom correction, you know, sick care system, like helping people pursue health versus, you know, hammering a nail because, you know, it's like every, everything is like, oh, well, okay, well, cholesterol is high. We put them on a statin, you know, all those weird formulas that people use nowadays. So cool, man. Well, uh, let's get right into this, man. So you just, uh, oh, for, I always forget because Maura asked this question. So let's talk about what is the most critical problem you're currently trying to solve? Mm, well, you kind of touched upon it already with those, those stats. I mean, we, when we look at just in America, our great land of the free here, we see that one out of three women are, diag- are diagnosed within, with cancer within their lifetime. That's according to the CDC. One out of three women, one out of two men we see that at least 60% of Americans are diabetic or pre-diabetic. And here's a nasty stat as well. It's predicted by the year 2032, which is not that far from right now, that one in two children will be born on the autism spectrum. Wow. Are you kidding me? Like, how are we going to even have a society if that's the case? Because either you're going to be autistic or on the autism spectrum, or you're going to be taking care of somebody autistic. We wouldn't have a functioning world. So the biggest problem that I'm trying to solve, and I know you align with this as well, Danny, is to help people understand that your body was not created for sickness. You were not created to just survive and then die with disease. You were created for greatness. You you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. And if you could just understand how amazing the human body is, that there's no pill, no surgery, no supplement that could replace this innate intelligence within us. All we need to do here is identify what is interfering with the body, remove the interference, and then let the body heal. So that's the the biggest problem that we're trying to solve here is to help people understand that. Dude, I have a feeling we're gonna be we're 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 gonna be solving that problem until the day we die. But like <laughs> every single day, 
you know, I think um, th there's other stats. I mean, I think there's 20 by 2050, 50% 50 of people will have Alzheimer's, you know, 50% yeah. of uh, I, I guess it's the elderly. Um, and there was one more thing that, yeah, I think people are starting to like, like this other one that I think of um, it's like 17 or 18 years between the time a, a, a new break, like breakthrough finding comes out and by the time that gets to a doctor's office and, and turns into like a recommendation. Jeez. So, you know, like everything that came out in, you know, 2010 is probably going to be like, you know, 2000, late 2020s is when people are going to be using that. And, you know, Rhonda Patrick just talked about earlier this year how um, within the next five years, they're going to be using um, sauna as an exercise mimetic, you know, because sauna the the benefits of sauna are are there's plenty of them and and it's a lot of the time does kind of mimic exercise mm -hmm. but all this stuff is just for us like people in the know people following what's going on in the practice um in the you know the in the different um conferences and things like that so um yeah i guess i guess our job is to you know, make that digestible and, and share it with everybody. So I, I totally agree, man. Totally freaking agree. Um, yeah, you know, and, and I agree with you when you say that it's it's an uphill battle right now because we see we see the trends going in the wrong direction. Yep. But, I, but I also believe as we do more collaborations like this podcast and, and as we develop our online following that we're going to help people understand that, you know, that allopathic sick care system is just not working. Yep, yep. <laughs> and it's it's what you said you treat a symptom but it's not the symptom that's the problem you know cancer is not the problem obesity is not the problem they are a result of the problem yep. why can't we acknowledge that so einstein said intellectuals solve problems geniuses prevent them so we want to <laughs> teach people to be geniuses here and, and we are danny i think yes i agree we're going to be teaching this to the day that we die but more people are waking up more people are understanding how incredible their body really is Bro, I'm writing down that quote. That quote's awesome. <laughs> Use it. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about this book. So you, you, um, you're finishing up the Keto Flex diet book. Uh, how is this different from like the standard ketogenic diet? Like, is this going to be something that I'm assuming anybody could pick up, even if you don't know what the ketogenic diet is? Um, and then, and then if it's for anybody, then like, yeah, how is it different from the standard ketogenic diet? So the, the book is going to be, I believe, one of the best books written on keto in the entire space. And that, that's with all due respect to all the incredible authors and books out there. This book has been years in the making, and it is for both. If you are just brand new and you have no idea what ketosis is, or you have been an advanced uh, ketogenic lifestyle person for years, you're still going to get value from this. So I have my four pillars in this book. This is what exactly what I teach my one-on-one -on -one clients, the members of my academy. And if we could just master these four pillars, then we have long-term results here when it comes to keto and fasting. And you're going to love it because there's also a chapter, which is my third pillar, all about the carnivore diet. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like how you, you go a little bit deeper after phase two. I was wondering, I was looking at it and as I was reading it, I was like, oh, wait, is this going to be, no, 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 this is not going the other way. This is getting stricter. I like it. Yeah. yeah. So what we do is we we first take somebody who's a pure sugar burner. We know that if you're burning sugar, it's not a healthy fuel source. I compare burning sugar when our cells are burning sugar. I compare that to a Mack truck with all this smoke coming out of the exhaust pipe. It's not going to be healthy for its surrounding environment, not going to be healthy for your cellular environment. When you burn sugar, it just creates 
a lot of byproducts, cellular smoke, if you will. Now, when we teach the body and all 70 trillion cells to burn fat and produce ketones, it's like a, a Tesla, right? Cruising <laughs> through I-95 right here in Miami, uh, cleaner for its surroundings. When there's no when there's no traffic. <laughs> when there's no traffic, yeah. <laughs> even the freaking even even the freaking uh, fast lane is a joke sometimes, man. That 95 yeah. fast lane, the express lane, yeah, I yeah. know. Especially in Miami, and more people are moving to Florida in general, so it's gonna I get know. worse. And you know what else is bad is is, is Texas, man. I'm, I keep talking to people from California, and everybody's like Austin, Austin, Austin. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my, Austin's gonna be insane in a few. It's going years to well. be insane, yeah. So <laughs> it's a, it's a new problem they're creating there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, we want to teach the body to burn fat, do it the right way, clean keto, and then we start transitioning into different intermittent fasting strategies. We pair mm-hmm. that. That's the second pillar. So the first pillar is uh, adapt, get fat adapted which is perfect for you. Yeah. Uh, the second pillar is fast, which is different fasting strategies. We do a little bit of some OMAD. And then the third pillar is phase, where we phase out all carbohydrates. We do 30 days at the bare minimum of, of, of a, a well-formulated carnivore diet. We balance out the amino acids, methionine and glycine with the organ meats and the supplements. We do it the right way. And then when you have done those three pillars, you have earned the badge for my favorite pillar, which is the keto flex pillar, the flex pillar, which gives you the green light to now start flexing in and out of ketosis strategically with the right amount of carbs and at the right time. So that's the general gist of the book. I love it, man. I love that. I don't think I've seen this done this way. I, 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 I see a lot of people, at least not um, in practice. I don't know if people have been writing about it in books to the, on the top of my head. I don't, I don't know of anybody who does that. Cause I know a lot of people you know, they kind of come to intermittent fasting first, like maybe they, you know, read Tim Ferriss or some yes. someone kind of turned them on to fasting and now they're doing intermittent fasting and they might be doing, you know, some carbs after they break their fast. But I kind of like doing it the other way first, because I, I think that a lot of people tend to, to fast too early um, and make it hard for themselves. It's not that it's not possible or not advisable. It's just like, from a from a machinery standpoint, you're putting yourself, you're setting yourself up for success if you're if there's a level of fat ad- adaptation already, so that it just makes it easier to even do like a 16 hour fast, you know, because some people are just not even used to that, you know. <clears throat> so I really like how that how you do that. Um, and then Thank the you. last phase, the flex part. Um, yeah, let's talk about um, the 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 flex part because that that. I feel like that that one can be misunderstood. And I just want to know kind of what what people should be kind of thinking of when they get to that phase. And and what are some do you have some indicators of 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 what like, you know, you said you've done that. But like, is, is there anything that someone says, OK, I've, I've done these phases. I should be feeling this or I should be kind of in in this space before I, I, I do the flex part. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. It's an important question because. Once you achieve the flex pillar, uh, it depends on where you're at when you're there, right? If you have done pillar one, two, and three, and now you're heading to the flex pillar, but you still have diabetes, type 2 diabetes, you still have insulin resistance, then I'm going to advise in the book that you actually stay in ketosis a little bit longer, just build up that metabolic machinery, you know, heal that pancreas, heal the body a little bit more. And then as you see your blood sugars drop, and uh, maybe you start weaning off your medication, then you could start and going into the flex pillar. But if you don't want to do that, because some people, they want to have their flex pillar, even if they're diabetic, what I tell them is to, instead of increasing your carbs to flex out of ketosis, 
increase your protein and just have your three meals. Because the goal for the flex day is actually to activate more mTOR, less autophagy, to just balance things out because we are hardwired for those feast famine cycles. So there's a couple of ways to do it. Um, Now, if you enter the flex pillar, but you're not type 2 diabetic, insulin resistant, you achieved tremendous results, which you will get, then there's different strategies. For example, there's a 5-1-1 rule, uh, courtesy to Dr. Pompo, who actually helped me understand this there's a five which is a weekly rule so five days out of the week you're doing intermittent fasting in 18 6 and then you have your two keto meals within the six hour eating window so you're in ketosis for five days you're doing intermittent fasting then you have a 24-hour water fast where you just go dinner to dinner you get more of that autophagy and that final day is your flex day where you do breakfast lunch and dinner higher carbs about 100 to 200 grams of approved quality carbs so you actually get more mTOR that day. And if you did it the right way, you should be able to go right back into ketosis within 24 hours. That's what we want to achieve here. Yeah. Dude, that's that's me. <laughs> I can have 300 <laughs> carbs. 300 carbs, wake up in ketosis, you know. And it's because you've done think, the work, Danny. That, yeah. that is true metabolic years freedom right there, brother. Yeah, I think people like, you know, when it comes to fat adaptation, like we all say, yeah, three months. But honestly, it's it's more than a year, you know. And, and, and I think that, Robert, you know, Sykes has a really good point. Like there's none of this has been elucidated in studies. No one's looked at this, but like, look, if Robert does an extended fast, his numbers are different than mine because he's never done a carb up, which to me is just like interesting interesting and, and, and cool to look at because like, let's say I do a three day fast, my ketones might get up to like at this stage, you know, because you know that over time, our, our blood ketones start to drop. Um, but at this stage, you know, my, my blood sugar might be, you know, in the 50s, uh, low 60s. And then my ketones get up to like the threes to, to high threes. Mm-hmm. Whereas Robert, the last time he did one earlier this year, his blood sugar got down to 37 and his ketones were like seven. Wow. And I think that if, if that was the first year, then we'd be able to say, well, he's just a big producer. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I was the first year I produced a ton of ketones, but I was probably not using them all. Right. Because I was just having like 400 grams of fat and stuff. You know? yeah. and, you know, That's a good was, point because yeah. so many people chase ketones when we don't yep. want to do that. We want to chase results. When your body is metabolizing those ketones and your brain's using it well, you're not going to see those high numbers unless you do a block fast. So yeah. not higher is not better necessarily here. Yeah, I mean, if you if you eat like Maura says, she makes fun of me because I'll make a big. Uh, I I rarely do this, but I'm actually gonna do it this week because we've got some uh, some new like holiday molds. So I'm gonna do it, you know, for a nice picture. Is like I'll I'll make I'll put all the stuff in a in a measuring cup to do like the the fat bomb, right? And so I'll mm-hmm. put coconut oil, butter, hundred percent chocolate, maybe a nut butter, and um and I'll put that all in that cup, and then if I eat like 10 of them Maura's like you just drank like a you know a cup or two of oil you know and then I wake up in the morning and I feel acidic you know and and, um you know maybe some GI things but my ketones are high like it's it's for people to be like look go ahead and put the thing on the social media but if you're going to put it on social media at least be honest and say that you ate 400 grams of fat so that you're not misleading people into thinking that 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 look at you. You're like Mr. Keto. You're, you're more keto than I am because your, yeah. your ketones are higher. You know, <laughs> dude, that, that's so funny because that's the number one thing when I, the members of my Academy, they're always posting, you know, why are my ketones just 1.1 or 1.5? 
I'm like, that's excellent. Like, that's yeah. an amazing. You're in ketosis. You're in a good range of ketosis because we could get our fat, right, Danny, from the plate of food, the fat bomb, the keto meal, or we could get it from our body fat, right? Yeah. Why not choose your body fat? 100%, man. 100%. Like, you know, if you're not, if you're not dieting and you want to enjoy the fat, then go ahead and have it. But just know that it's probably better to, to work towards getting your body to release more fat from that adipose tissue by being in a deficit and, and doing, you know, this whole new thing where we're, where we're pushing our ketones up just by chugging fat, you know, Mm -hmm. probably not, probably not the best idea. Um, There was one more thing I wanted to talk to you about with that subject. Um, Yeah, just being, I mean, I I guess it's just, you know, being in a slight deficit is probably more effective than upping the fat you know, just mm-hmm. always kind of staying in a slight deficit. And then every now and then, like if you're doing it once a week, that's a perfect example. Like on Sundays, whether you're just pushing that protein up, having those three meals, I think that's a, a great idea because that, it's just like, you're probably not going to be hungry in that middle meal, totally hungry, but you're going to be able to, on that one day of the week, say, you know what? I, I really, I really want to eat this today. Mm-hmm. And this is what I'm going to have. And it's not, we're not talking about like, I really want to eat Rice Krispies cereal or something like that. It's like, I really want to have, you know, just a a meal that has more calories than the usual meal during the week when I'm all business. Right. Um, I got to say, like, when I, whenever I've been dieting, whenever I build in some flexibility and I like, again, I don't, I'm not talking about a cheat day because a cheat day Mm -hmm. for me is, is, is this a disaster? If it's Mm -hmm. a cheat meal, then it has to be dinner. Because mm-hmm. if I do a cheat meal, like I don't even want to call it a cheat meal. I'll call it an indulgence. You know, I want, yeah. if I want to indulge, I'll do it at dinner. Because if I started in the morning, then it's amazing how quickly, you know, I, I feel those, um, just the, the, the blood sugar swings, they'll, they'll happen still, you know? Me too. Me, for me too. Absolutely. Um, and then there was one more thing you mentioned about, oh, about mTOR. I really like that too, because it's, there's, there's, there's levels to it. It's like, you know, you'll have low mTOR from keto, you'll have a little bit of a bump in mTOR just because you have three high protein meals on Sunday, let's say, that are giving you three um, trans transient bumps in mTOR mm-hmm. um, and maybe even setting you up to be in a more anabolic, you know, that's right. Environment for, for day one, which is like, better go get in there and squat and, mm-hmm. you know, do something like that. Take so advantage of the PRs. inventory. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the, the biggest one would be, and this is probably why bodybuilding, the way we see it today, will never see a ketogenic pro bodybuilder who's not, you know, who, who's not enhanced. And even the ones that are enhanced, you'll probably never see it because people are taking insulin, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like, and on top of taking insulin, like even just if they didn't take insulin, just you can't compare the growth from high insulin levels and mTOR signaled by insulin, high Mm -hmm. insulin to like, which is more sustained to like a short transient mTOR that you're, that you're hoping will, will put on a little bit of extra muscle, which it will. I mean, Mm -hmm. all all of us can look like badass Ben's health cover models doing Mm -hmm. this, we just won't look like Jay Cutler, which <laughs> right. I'm okay with. I'm okay with right. that. Because you're focusing on, on both 
putting on muscle and size, but also health and longevity. You could have both of the best of both worlds, but those who are too extreme in that, in the bodybuilding world, they'll sacrifice years off their life just to get the, you know, the, the photo, the bodybuilding photo in the competition. So it's really yeah. what your goals are, right? It decides yep. what you're, what's more important to you. Yeah, man. Okay. So back to the book, let's see, we got, um, talk about flexible fasting. Cause I think, I, I think we talked about, you know, incorporating the fasting, but I just, I want to know if there's something specific to that uh, term that, that maybe we missed. Yeah. <clears throat> there's one more, one more thing I want to mention about the, the keto flex pillar, and then I'll speak about the, the flexible fasting uh, for the ladies out there who are listening or watching, who are doing keto and you have a monthly cycle. There's also some special, special considerations for you as well, because the, this is something that I learned from Dr. Mindy Peltz and then all of the, the patients of the doctors I work with and all my clients there five to seven days before the monthly cycle, there are two hormones that begin to decline in, in a, in a woman, estrogen and progesterone. And when you keep those hormones low, it leads to a heavy menstrual cycle. You don't feel good. You have a lot of cravings. And the reason a lot of females get those cravings when they're about to have their period it's the innate intelligence telling them, hey, we need a little bit of some carbs to make that insulin help that insulin go up to make those hormonal conversions. So the, I outline a portion of my book, if you're a monthly cycle woman, if you're premenopause, perimenopause, postmenopause, here's how you're going to do keto flexing. For the ones who are monthly cycling, cycling uh, have a monthly cycle, five to seven days before your period is when we actually do seven days of keto flexing. You have seven days in a row of higher carbs, higher protein, lower fat. Once the period hits, you go right strict into ketosis and fasting. So that's a, another special consideration there. Um, go ahead. No, 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 no. I, I, I unmuted it. Cause I'm, I'm just like, no, I, I love it. I'll tell, I'll tell you after I don't want to okay. break your, your, your train of thought. Yeah, no, I'm done with that part. Then I'll move into flexible fasting. So we're going right. to say, yeah. So I was just going to say that I'm going to share this with Maura, man, because I love hearing new ways of, of, of approaching how we were already solving a problem. So for mm -hmm. example, Maura, what she was doing when she remembers, because honestly, a lot of the time we're so busy that she doesn't remember, but um, I'm pretty sure it's, it's right around ovulation. Um, it's either two days before or two days after ovulation. I want it anywhere from, I think day 10 through day 14, mm -hmm. I believe is when she'll do like, like a, a carb up day or two. And for her, like, you know, 50, 60, 70 carbs is a carb up because Maura doesn't post her food because it's boring. Like she eats the same thing every day. She'll, you know, she'll fast the whole morning. She'll work out. She'll come back. She'll maybe have some eggs and bacon. And then at night, whatever I cook, whether it's ground beef tonight, it's a uh, uh, pork butt and leftover venison tenderloin, nice. which I just had right now, which was freaking delicious. I'm driving up, dude. I'm just three <laughs> hours away. I'm going to go up. Anytime, man. Anytime. I got to make you some freaking organ meat burgers. I got a 10 pound yes. liver that I got to figure out what the heck I'm going to do with because I've never gotten that much liver packaged in wow. one thing. It's like I, I have a feel. It's probably it's either the whole liver or it's half a liver because I know cow livers can be huge when you have them all in one spot versus like nicely chopped up and you know placed into like a, a bag for you but uh Colorado craft beef sent me just an extra 10 pound liver um wow. so I can make you that but like yeah like it's just there's issues there's there's you know potential issues like you know a lot of people start talking about the thyroid which I know that that we're like oh my gosh not this subject again but if you're doing this, this stuff before the cycle, 
um, in the times when it's most needed. And on top of that, you, you talked about like, you know, b- helping your progesterone. A lot mm-hmm. of people, a lot of women are, are estrogen dominant to begin with mm-hmm. um, and have low progesterone and they don't have either the knowledge or the money to do a test where, and a lot of the time it's inconvenient if it's a, if it's a saliva, you got to do it all day. There's, there's a few different ways to do it and, and it's just a pain in the butt, but you, you just automatically, it's kind of like a, a prophylactic um, monthly thing that you're doing as a woman. Um, and on top of that, if you're stressed and if you're low fat, because a lot of women, men and women, we're, we're, we're all trying to maintain slightly unrealistic fat body fat um, percentages, yep. which, which may not be optimal for health, but you know, we have an ideal that we're trying to look like. Um, you're, you're probably putting a little bit of extra stress and those carbs that you bring in, if, you know, given you're, you're, you're in a good place metabolically, right. you're also going to just give yourself a little, a little cortisol drop if your cortisol is high. And if you do that every month, hopefully you can keep your cortisol levels at a healthy level that's, that you don't have, you know, e- chronically elevated cortisol or even worse, like, you know, crash cortisol, which is what. Mauda had last year when she did it, she had zero. Her, her cortisol was. Oh, wow. Yeah. So lean women, um, women who are stressed, women who are chronically under eating. I Mm -hmm. I see that what you said as a good thing. And I'm, I'm telling, I'm going to tell Mauda, we're going to try it. We're going to try it. Yeah, dude, that, that'll be really interesting to hear feedback from her. So five to seven days before, yeah, have her do it and let me know how it goes. I've seen some amazing things happen with uh, the monthly cycle and just, just generally feeling good. So that'll be amazing for her to do that. Give me, give me some feedback on how it works for her. We're, we're coming up on that time because I know, because both of us follow her cycle. <laughs> it's important. <laughs> you gotta know. You gotta know. It, um, it is important. Yeah. So let's talk about this, uh, this, uh, what is it? Flex fasting. Flexible. Yeah. Flex fasting. So yeah, I mean, I love fasting. It's actually, up there with ketosis talking both keto and fasting by the way as you know are not brand new they've been around since humans have existed for 2.5 million years so when those people say hell keto is a it's a trend it's a it's a fad or fasting is a trend it's a fad no no no, it's a fact it's been around for a long time it's not going away anytime soon so i love fasting i love the autophagy benefits but yes too much of a good thing like autophagy could be a bad thing we don't want autophagy all the time that's why we want to balance it out with mTOR there's a delicate dance there between these two pathways right mTOR and autophagy so I in the book I talk about that I go deep into the research on mTOR and autophagy and how they're both beneficial but we want to balance them out so fasting is like um, a very powerful tool that if we use it the right way we get amazing results but it's also a powerful tool that if you use the wrong way it could hurt you and, and do some damage so in the book, I talk about different fasting strategies. I, I go into OMAD. I go into block fasting three or more days. I go into some of Dr. Thomas Seafried's research on um, how he calculates maximum autophagy, where he's seen tumors shrink in his patients when they get a one-to-one ratio of glucose, blood glucose divided by 18 to compare that to ketones. And if you get that one-to-one ratio, which you had. He's with- the one who did that, right? He's the one who came up with the yep. glucose. Yeah, that, that paper. That the GKI, wrote, like, yeah. So he's the one who actually saw that. So that's called maximum autophagy. How do you achieve that? Well, through a block fast. But in order to do a block fast, you got you to know what you're doing because even that's even more powerful than a regular fast. When, what's been your longest fast, Danny? 72 a few times. 72? And, yeah. and you, and you I want to do those, a five-day. 
Yeah, that's five days is typically where most people hit that one to one ratio. But you mentioned your numbers. You said you were like 50 to 60 and 3.8, I think you said. Yeah, yeah, that would be, yeah, because 3.8 would be like what, like low 60s? Yeah, so you were right there, which is impressive because it typically takes uh, a little bit longer for most people. You know, it's super interesting. So this is fresh off the press, dude. I I was on a call earlier today with Dr. Pompa and the doctors that I work with. Every Tuesday we do it. And we had a special guest, a friend of mine and Dr. Pompas. He's actually in Sarasota, Dr. John Laurence. Okay. He's, you got to check him out. It's called Advanced Rejuvenation. Amazing clinic there. I, I, he's been on my podcast a couple of times. He's been on Ben Greenfield podcast. So we are developing this fasting pack, a fasting strategy where we take NAD before a block fast. And then we take these- Is it uh, uh, IV? No, it's uh, orally. Okay. Or it makes it easier. Okay. And then we take uh, di- like fisetin and different ingredients and compounds during the block fast that we know promote autophagy. And then we break the fast in three days because this, if you do it this way for three days, it's equivalent to doing a regular water fast for five days. Then you break the fast with, with um, uh, Stemtor. It's a product that actually stimulates mTOR to get more stem cell production on day three. So it's super fascinating. We're going to I'm going to do another podcast with him all about it, but you're going to be interested in that for sure. So go oh, check, I'm check going out to get Dr. him John. on. I'm super excited about this. I love, I love taking advantage. Most people don't understand like the magic happens when you break the fast, you know, that's when you get that surge, you know, in, in all these different hormones and anything that can give us some more bump, you know, like a more bang mm-hmm. for our buck. Like it, it's kind of like, if you're going to eat carbs after your workout, get a good chunk of them in there to get yourself mm-hmm. the signal that you want. If it's, if it's really why you're doing it because you're trying to build muscle, you know, that's right. So yeah, exactly. How you break the fast is just as important as the fast. That's where you get all the stem cell production. That's where a lot of the healing occurs. So he would be a great guest. So would Dr. Pompa. I, I you know, I'm a little biased, but I think Dr. Pompa is one of the greatest ones out there when it comes to the health space. Um, so yeah, that's just an, another example in the book. I'm going to talk about different strategies, alternate day fasting, the other, every other day diet. Um, so there's going to be different. How, strategies do, you, how do you, how do you do alternate day? Cause I have seen it done where some people will do like, let's say they're eating 2000 calories and then on the fasting day, they only eat 500 or some people will do like um, their version of alternate day fasting would be like, let's say Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you train. And then mm-hmm. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, your fasting days, they end up being uh, what, like 36 hour fasts, because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you eat, you finish at 7pm, but then you don't start until the next, next, next day at 7am. Right. You know, yeah. is that how you do it? Or, or are you doing like, you know, because I've seen the other way where, where it's like, the, the fasting days, you're eating 25% of your of your regular calories. So it's in the way that I'm going to, I wrote it in the book is doing one day, having three meals a day and having it within a a 14 hour, you're you're doing a 14 hour fast. And then your, your eating window is when the the opposite of that, but you're going to have your three meals. You're going to have it within that window. And then the next day you actually fast the entire day. So let's say Monday you wake up at 8am, you have, you have breakfast and that could be like a fatty cup of coffee or protein shake. You have your lunch, you have your dinner. Uh, I'm not really focusing on calories here, but you're having, you're going to be in a surplus on that day. Let's say you're done eating at 8 p.m. on Monday. Then you're going to go all the way until Tuesday, 8 p.m. So you're yeah, doing 24 a 24-hour fest. Yeah. Yeah, that's another so that's way that way. I didn't think of. I, w- I was in the middle of doing, we were recording um, 
uh, challenges for the, the keto coach, the, the fast coach app. And mm-hmm. like the first weekend we were there to record stuff, like I had written scripts and, and like, you know, me and Logan were, were together on Friday and we got five, you know, videos done. And we were like so excited that we got five videos done in two hours. And then Jamie Seaman comes and Jamie's just like, she's not human. She literally just shows up and she's like, okay, uh, what do you guys want me to do? And they're like, well, why don't you talk about this? And she literally just records 10 videos in like an hour off the top of her head. And I'm like, (laughs) so now, like now the whole, the the culture when we're there is to just record (laughs) things on the fly. So I'm like, I got an idea. Let's do an alternate day fasting, you know, challenge. And then (laughs) I was like, halfway through it, I was like, wait a second. I just totally changed the way I did it your way. I did yeah. it the way that yeah. you just explained it, it because it just made sense. And I was like, you know what, whatever, let's just keep it that way <laughs> because there's, yeah. there's a yeah. million different ways to do it, you know? Totally. Yeah. And they're, they're all going to be beneficial. You know, the goal is to create adaptation, right? When we could yeah. force the cells to adapt, the mitochondria to adapt, good cells get stronger, bad cells don't adapt. So these are all strategies, but it's also important. I write about this in my book to always mix things up. Just like if you do the same workout, you know this over and over and over, you stop, you hit a plateau. We want to flex, we want to have a flexible fasting schedule where we're not sticking to the same routine long-term because when you mix things up, you create that adaptation. So that's what flexible fasting really is. Yeah, that's um, that reminds me of, uh, what's his name from uh, Northern Europe? Um, um, oh my gosh, I can't believe Michael for- Mosley? No. Um, oh my gosh, he has... I can't believe I had him on the podcast and I feel, I hate that I'm forgetting him, but he, we had him on and, um, Seam, Seamland, Seamland. Oh yeah. Seamland. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, sorry, Seam. I totally, (laughs) we love you, Seam. (laughs) (laughs) He said, he said the beauty and he just, he just, it was just in passing. And he said, the beauty lies in the variation. And that just hit me so hard Mm -hmm. because it's like people, they, we're creatures of habit and they're like, man, fasting's awesome. So then they just, they just fast every day, mm. you know? And then some people are like, you know, I'm trying to put on muscle and they're just in this constantly in this anabolic state. But I feel like just like it's important for us to be able to switch between sympathetic and parasympathetic, we need to also be able to, and be conscious of keeping a, a good balance of anabolic and catabolic phases in in our days in our months you know so yeah yeah so true yeah he and he has some good research seem on autophagy and mTOR and and that's the way that our cells are hardwired for feast famine cycles not just famine not just feast it's that balance between the two so that's kind of the principles of the keto flexing because you get the best of both worlds it makes sense i mean i think that um you know if you're if you're constantly fasting um and you're and you're not thinking about this you know, and, and one of your major goals is to put on muscle, mm-hmm. you're really going to be sh- slowing things down. And the same thing with, with the other way, which is where most Americans are, you know, which is just like, we're never hungry, never. There's like never, I can guarantee that there's people, even children that have never experienced hunger in their lives. Yeah. Which is a, it's a great was. gift to be so blessed because we know that everywhere around the world is not like that. But at the uh-huh. same time, well, I mean, it just kills me too, just to think about all the food that's thrown away. But at the same time, it's, it's not good. <laughs> it's, it's why yeah. we're so sick, you know? Yeah, exactly. We don't want to, we don't want to feed the body energy when it has a surplus of energy. It's just going to duplicate cells leading to disease. And then you don't want too much autophagy because once the body's done 
with looking for the bad stuff and cleaning up the bad stuff. It needs to get energy from somewhere. It goes for yeah. the good stuff. It could weaken yeah, your immune protein. system. Yeah. Yeah. Eat at your protein. Exactly. So that's, that's why. And I've been guilty of the too much fasting in the, a few years ago. You know, I love fasting. I feel so good when Me I'm too. fasted. I'm fasted right now that I did too much autophagy. So now I'm, I'm balancing that out to more mTOR. Dude, I saw that play out in 2017. I was, I was trying to get down to 6% body fat. I had been doing it for a few months already. And then I was, I was working out at 6 a.m. And then I wasn't eating until 12, which is good. And so I said, well, that's working well. Let me just push it until three. And literally a month, a month of doing that. uh, I saw a little bit of progress the first couple of weeks. And then the last couple of weeks, my energy levels went down. I I got I had gotten a DEXA scan and I lost that month a little bit of lean mass. And I put my body fat percentage went up. And then I just added the next month. I just did post-workout, like a a meal post-workout and then fasted the rest of the day and did dinner. And that's pretty much where I am now. I'm either going to eat within the hour after my workout, or I'll probably wait until 11, 30, 12, um, mm-hmm. when I finish working out at eight. Um, to, so four hours, because I looked at this, man. I don't know if you have, but I, I tried. I looked everywhere. I even talked to, I was back in the day when Jacob Wilson and I were training at the same gym. I was like, dude, I know this whole thing is overblown with the, with the, the anabolic window. And I know that the, there's agreement on the fact that we need amino acids post-workout, mm-hmm. but yeah. there's no agreement on what the time frame is. And he showed mm-hmm. me one study. He was like, check out this study. And all, this was the only study that I've ever seen. And really, um, it's not even based on really robust science. But I, I'm gonna. I roll with it. I've been rolling with it for like the last three years, which is yeah. like, um, if you're if you're a beginner, you can go 12 hours without eating after training, and technically you'll you'll probably not affect your pro- muscle protein synthesis to to a level where it, it'll go. It'll be counteractive. But if you're advanced, if you're a beginner to beginner yeah. to fasting. If you're a beginner to uh, training, if you're a beginner Precise. to training, to training, yeah. got it. Okay, yeah. got it. Um, if you're an advanced athlete, then the maximum is four hours after you work out. So, so that's the safest. So I just tell people try to eat within four hours of your workout. You know, yeah, you'll probably yeah, I like hung- that. be hungry by then. Yeah, and you know what? You could always mix it up, right? One day you could go a little bit longer. One day you could go a little bit shorter. We do know that that growth hormone does continue to rise, but then there could be that U-shaped curve that you start to get the diminishing return. So yep. uh, I think it's a good idea to have a meal right after one day and then wait yeah. a few hours the next day. And just it's that magic of variation, going back to Seam's point. Yeah, it's it's funny, though, because like there's the variation. I'm a big fan. And then Mike Mutzel ruined my life on in 2018 when he said that <laughs> he started sharing information on how, uh, how important feeding schedules are to circadian rhythms. So he started to share like information on that, like, like, you know, just like our bodies rely on light, you know, our bodies also rely on, on our feeding schedule. So now, even though I'm very big on relying on hunger, being as intuitive as possible, I try to still put a little bit of effort to more or less if it's like an 11 to 7 p.m. or a 10 to 6 or a 12 to 8, more or less they're right around the same time uh, of the day. You know, obviously, no matter what, it's never good to be eating at night. Um, you know, That's the, true. a lot of us do eat at night, but, but, you know, even if it's, think about the winter. I mean, 
even even where we live, you know, it's the sun's going down six o'clock, five thirty, six o'clock, whatever it is here. And up there, it's, you know, four thirty, five, you know. And so the rest of that day is nighttime. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure you've seen the 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 there's this one study where they feed the same people. They feed them at the same meal at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. And postprandial blood glucose is much higher in that higher in that later meal. Um, uh, at 7 p.m. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, same exact meal, same macros, just a, a a response that's different because we're either supposed to be having sex or lying in bed with the lights off. Uh, yeah. so, but we're eating, and we're not supposed to do that. We're diurnal creatures. That's what we are. So we're not nocturnal. Yeah. If you yeah, don't believe true. me, go, out, go in the woods at night and don't have a freaking headlamp on. <laughs> <laughs> you won't see anything. You're right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting because... I'm curious to see if they did that study 7 a.m., 7 p.m., and they changed it from 7 p.m. to like 4 p.m. or 5 p.m., if they'd see an even better response at that time. I think they would. No, I I absolutely think they would, especially because it's daytime. But the other thing is a lot of the research that you and I both look at is going to be having carbs, too. They're not like they're not ketogenic. So, like, maybe we do have a little bit of extra leeway because if there's no substrate, why would there be? A, a, a response there's nothing metabolically happening to to create that sugar you know maybe there exactly. is a little bit of a difference but still i mean yeah. in general i have friends who i'm just being surrounded by people who who are cutting their feeding window earlier and earlier and talking about the best sleep of their lives and i keep telling myself man maybe i should push this freaking window up but i'm a creature of habit too and it's like i have to get back into saying okay, it's time to eat at 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. I just never do. I'm always, you know, training or, or, or just I'm in productive mode. My cortisol is probably nice and high when I'm feeling good and motivated and, and alert. Um, I don't know what that would do. I mean, if it's not a carb meal, again, it's not an issue, but mm-hmm. it's just changing no. the habits. That's all. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I do so much better when I don't have a meal in the morning and I wait until the afternoon. I, I'm more productive. I just function better. I'm not using energy for for food, digesting food. Going back to what you, sh- you shared about Mike Mutzel, and um, I'm wondering if that's research from, was it from Sa- Sachin uh, Panda? Was it from his book? Oh, it has to be because he was he was using a good amount of, of Sachin Panda stuff. I mean, who was it that when that book came out? Yeah. What was that, 2018 or so? Like maybe uh-huh, 2019? A couple years ago. Yeah, but, um, but the question I would ask is, um, maybe you could ask Mike this, maybe we both could ask him. Our ancestors didn't have a set schedule for meals. You know, they, they, they ate whenever they found food and that, that was varied all the time. And that happened for, you know, thousands, millions of years. So that's the question I have. When I'm going to say, that. ask Mike about ancestral uh, living, eating, yeah, eating, eating versus because he'll, I have a feeling he'll say something. Maybe he'll maybe he'll say something about how nowadays, because of the the environment that we're in, maybe we do need some extra steps to counteract what we're doing, just from talking on this laptop with this microphone and walking right, outside yeah. into the being exposed to more toxins than usual. I mean, all the other things that I mean, even 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 brain are. I always like to talk about this one, Ben. Um, What's his name? Ben Greenfield had had this guy on earlier this year who was talking about like I think he was an anthropologist and he was talking about how our ancestors lived and and how um uh we we burn roughly the same amount of calories that we did back then 
And it's, it's not, it's because of the amount of information that our brains are processing. So we're getting, Uh, we're not getting the benefits that they get from those calories that they burn because they burn those calories by moving. And so we're burning the calories. So if you're like strictly like calories, you would say, well, there's nothing, there's no difference right between them and us because we Mm -hmm. burn the same amount of calories. We just got to fix that calorie equation, but you're not getting the walking alone. I mean, across all populations, all ages is going to help. And you know that they were walking all day. They weren't sitting the way we were sitting. And if they did, they were truly chilling. Like we sit mm-hmm. and we look at little screens. They sit and they're talking about, you know, whatever, funny stories and, you know, cool yeah, stuff. Yeah, completely different. Living. And they're out in nature. So that's yeah. fast. So we're burning glucose in the brain and they're exercising to burn the calories. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So let's talk for a second about this because you and I, um, earlier this year, we were, we were texting back and forth with everything going on. And, um, you know, you were bringing people on doctors, uh, physicians, researchers talking about, um, you know, how to bolster our immune systems, how to deal with the virus, making sense of, of information, because we had like, it was basically like we had one channel across all channels that were telling us what, what was good and what was, what would help. And, uh, you were bringing this alternative information and I was getting excited because some of these people, I was like, I can't believe you had this guy on. That's amazing. You know, <laughs> Andy Kaufman and, um, and, and, and so, you know, we've all dealt with the censorship. So, you know, how has that changed the way you um, create content and, and, you know, the type of content that you put out? Yeah. I mean, that's a very, it's, 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 it's a challenge for us because we're out there on social media and we have this message that's weighing on our heart. And we know that at least I know if I, if I share it, I could get in trouble for it. Right. Meaning I could get censored. I could get taken down. I could have some people unfollow me just because they have a a different thought process on, on the message. So in the beginning I was doing a lot of, uh, you know, I'm not going to say the word, but the, the Rona, the Rona, (laughs) the the crown, I was doing a lot of content on it. You know, how do you protect yourself against it? I was interviewing, uh, amazing people, you know, like, um, Dr. Buttar, right. I interviewed, yeah, I didn't Buttar. want to bring his name up, but when you said you were interviewing him, I was like, dude, I freaking love him. Yeah. That was one of my all time favorite interviews. And, uh, did you get to watch the interview? Dude, The first 20 minutes alone, you're just like, cause yeah. it's personal. And I mean, we don't, you, you, you were a freaking, uh, what's her name? You were Barbara Walters over there, man. You freaking have people. <laughs> He got emotional right from the beginning. I asked him about his son. Uh, He didn't expect that. And he just opened up. But yeah, so he he shared such a brilliant message of freedom and understanding what's going on. And then I was, I recorded that episode, right? And I'm set to release it. I'm telling my podcast producer that we need to prioritize this. I want to get this out tomorrow. And then I get a call from uh, my mentor. He's actually the CEO of Dr. Pompa's organization. And then he's like, look, I just forwarded the interview you did with Buttar to our lawyer. He watched the interview and he said it would be a bad idea to release that to the public, that you'd probably end up getting in trouble, taking down and maybe even taking to court just because they're going after people who are speaking this message of freedom. Anybody's associating with that. And I, and I hung up the phone. I'm like, man, like a part of me was like, oh, screw them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to release it no matter what. You know, I want to get this message out there. I'm a freedom fighter. I had all these thoughts. And then the other part of me was like, okay, if I get this out there and I get banned and shut down, then what? Like, what am I going to do? Exactly. Exactly. I can't. I can't help other people about keto and fasting and all things that I have built some momentum of. So what I did was, I let the seed plant on what I was going to do. I went for a walk with my dog, 
And then I said, okay, what if I did like a Zoom meeting with people who are on my email list and my academy? And I just got all the people who know me who, and they're not, it's not a public sharing, but I did a, Z, a Zoom one-time screening of, of the interview. So I did that. I had, you know, thousands of people go on there and I screened it to them. Nobody could record. So, you know, that it changed the way that I, you know, would normally do things. I would release that to the public. So that's one example. Uh, and then now I'm, I'm kind of staying away from the, the Rona message. I'm talking more about keto and fasting, unless I'm on a Zoom call. If I'm on a Zoom call with my members of my academy, I'm telling them about the science behind the mask and asymptomatic carriers and all that. But I'm staying away from it on the social media because of the risk of getting shut down and the risk of somebody who does follow my work for keto and fasting. They love my work and they see me talk about something and it could be a very relevant, legitimate study, but it goes against their, it's cognitive dissonance. And then they just, they just shut me off and I can't help yeah. them anymore. So it has, it has affected my work. Oh, dude, I, I personally, you know, I'm more, much more vocal in these conversations that we have like offline, you know, that, yeah. and, and for the most part, like, unless someone tags me in something and I share it on my story because I'm like, I just can't not share this, you know, like yeah. it's, it's funny, you know, it's like a funny meme or something, you know, I've been very cautious as well um, for the same reasons, man. It just, it, but it does at the end of the day, this is not freedom. You know, the, the, like it's, it's, it's really bad and it sucks that we have to work around it, but it's kind of like, I even was like talking about, you know, what am I going to do in January? We were already starting to think about just because there's a lot of reasons why we would like to live in Mexico for a year or two, just because the boys would be immersed in the Spanish language, which they have awesome accents and they can understand things well, but they don't have their grandparents in their ears every day, talking to them in Spanish, mm -hmm. like we right. did, you know, they didn't Spanish Spanish was the first language we taught them. All we did the first year of both of their lives was Spanish. Um, but wow. as soon as they started talking, you know, it was like automatically English. So there was that. But then at the same time, it's like, okay, if you can't run away from, from this, whatever this is, you can't run away from it. Because when you think about it, the last example is us. We're the last example. So it's not like if we go down and if we lose our freedom, then there's nowhere else really to go because though, as we go, the world goes, you know, the world starts saying, okay, well, that's what they're doing in America. They're saying you got to, you know, have a vaccine to travel. So that's what we're going to do, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a, it's a pickle, man, but I'm always kind of just curious. Um, and on a related note, you know, kind of how, I, I guess it, it would just be a continuation of what you've done this year, right? Just kind of um, stay clear of, of, what the keywords are. Um, don't, don't use hashtags. That's another thing that I've noticed. I have friends who've had two accounts, like one of them had 150 K and then the, the next one gets built up to like 50 K and gets canceled again. And it's like, stay away from you, the hashtags. Using hashtags for keto got them shut down or, or well, what? this person, this person was, um, was not a keto person. This person was, you know, talking about, you know, child, you know, a. Uh, uh, child pornography and, and, um, you know, pedophilia and things like that. And, and that one apparently is very, very bad to talk about. You can't talk about, uh, exploited kids. It's very, very bad. It's, it's evil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, evil. But I, 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 she was saying, please don't use hashtags. Please don't put hashtags. And she just had me thinking about it. I was like, why is Redmond real salt? Why is their account taken down? Why was keto savage taken down? Redmond's real salt was taken down and keto savage too. 
Dude, Keto Robert has had his account taken down three times. He's he's given up. He's he's just th- three times. The last time was on Thanksgiving. Um, and Robert, you know Robert, he doesn't talk about any of this stuff, even though he's reading about it all the time. Like I didn't know, like when I got with him on the in the woods, you know, he yeah. was telling me, I was like, man, I didn't know you knew about this, you know. Yeah. I didn't know you were yeah. going so deep. Uh, yeah. But he was like, yeah, he, he even was telling me stuff about the Catholic Church because we were talking about religion. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you know that. That's crazy. Um, but, yeah, like, why would they be taken down? Like, they're not they're not touching any of the mask things. They're not touching any. I would. Yeah. I, and I was just thinking maybe maybe it is the keto hashtags, you know, Interesting. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out because there's got to be a way for them to make it easy for themselves to because they work all by algorithms. That's how they have that quote unquote plausible deniability where it's like, well, it's just the algorithm. You know, it's not, we're not shadow banning, banning you. You you, you just, it's just the algorithm, you know, it's the algorithm. Oh man, it's crazy. Yeah. Who would have thought we would be in this type of situation, right? Um, It does depend, you know, what's going to happen next with, uh, with who who becomes the president and and, what what happens next. Right. So yeah. Cause of culture, um, the way, the way it shapes culture. Yeah. Uh, so, but that's when we see other platforms like Parler yep. and, um, you know, there's other ones out there, but Parler seems to be the most popular one. They're alternative platforms. So it's going to be the death of these companies like Facebook and even YouTube, right? I, I thought yeah. YouTube was like bulletproof, but right now if they keep doing what they're doing, people don't like that. They don't like to be censored. It makes things a lot worse. So it could be the, the beginning of the end for them. And then these other platforms will rise as a result. Yeah, I just hope we hit like critical mass because we need to, because a lot of these other softwares aren't nearly as good. Like mm-hmm. the functionality is not as good. Yeah. You know, we have Facebook that's like 15 years, more yeah. than 15 years of like R&D and improvements and updates like that. It's it's a pretty sweet, you know, software um, versus yeah, Parler. And what's the one for the, there's a few, there's BitChute and what's the, the new one? Um, there's MeWe. Starts with a C, I think. Um, a C, I don't know. Like Crunch or something like that. It's, it's another YouTube. Okay. That people, and it, you know, it sucks. It sucks because it's like, you know, things go viral because we have a small set of softwares that we're, we've chosen to accept as the ones that we're going to be interacting with each other. Yeah. And now we're basically splintering it. And, you know, that's that's almost by design because it's like, it's the same thing beside like behind saying like, well, if, as long as you take the article down, you're okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that the original article went viral, you know, and now you're just going to delete that post, which went viral, which was very good for me. Mm-hmm. So I, you're going to let me keep my channel, but I'm not going to get the benefits of creating something awesome that went viral. Right. Yeah. You know, so it's frustrating. I, I, I could totally relate. Well, brother, we, we've been talking for, I can't believe we've been talking for over an hour. I just want to um, give you an opportunity to, number one, talk about where people can find you and the book. And then I also definitely want you to share the website for the merchandise because I actually wore the shirt that you, that I bought from you, which is awesome, yeah. guys. If you've seen me, I've always, everybody's always asking me about it. I wore that to the gym today. I, I'm not wearing that now because I'm wearing my, my Bigfoot shirt that says I hate people. <laughs> i bought That's it in the great. middle of the lockdown i don't I, I actually love people but uh i mean i'm having a hard time loving people right now uh i'm, I'm working on it <laughs> yeah uh, i i, I could relate um yeah. yeah so where can you find me is that the question 
yeah, where can we find yeah. you, the book, the, the merchandise, all of it? Okay, so the merchandise you can find over at ketocampgear.com. The shirt that Danny's referring to is the shirt that says, my microbiome is my mask. And it has a picture of a mask with a red X. Yeah. Uh, and then on the back, it says, That's spread this to end this, you know, which is herd immunity, natural herd immunity, which by the way, is the only way to stop this thing, not yeah. a false immunity from a, you know, the, the shot. I'm not going to even say it. Yeah. Um, so ketocampgear.com campus ball with the K. And then if you want to just stay up to date with my work, I would go to my keto camp podcast. So you can start with the interview with Danny. Danny was on there last year. We'll do round two, maybe in person this time. Yeah. So, uh, sweet. Maybe you could uh, link that down below the interview that I yeah. interviewed you on yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, keto camp podcast. Uh, my keto camp YouTube channel is, is my biggest platform. We just hit 114,000 subscribers in, in two years. That's growing fast. So it's keto camp on YouTube camp with the K and then uh, benazadi.com. If you want to get on my email list to get notified about the, the book that's coming out. Awesome, man. And I, I'm going to do a, a little plug for you because you shared a really cool mask for me uh, with me. Cause we were talking about traveling and oh, yeah. how I prefer these disposable masks. Yeah. He has, you see Ben, for anyone who's listening, Ben has this mask. That's like a reusable mask, but it's lined with silver and it comes with a, a little spray. Yeah. Yeah. They come with sprays. So the spray not only cleans it, but it actually helps it more become more breathable. So it's compliant. So for those times when you're flying, but you could breathe much more efficiently and you're not breathing any toxic material. So this is a great little mask here. And that that's at uh, ketocampmask.com. Ketocampmask.com is where you could go to this company and get, I got a whole bunch of, and I got it from, you know, from my mom, because my mom, they forced my mom essentially to wear a mask in order she for local to, work. to Miami. Yeah. She lives here in Miami. Yeah. So she works for Walgreens. She works oh, yeah. for Walgreens. They make her wear a mask. And I'm like, man, I don't like the idea of that. So I got her one. And uh, yeah, it's important for those who, who have to wear a mask. Maybe your job's requiring or you're flying to at least wear one that's breathable and non-toxic. So that's the one that I have here. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a great point. I wanted to share that guys, because you know, yesterday I went to Sprouts Every time I go there, I'm ready to fight, bro. I, I'm telling you, like, I, I, I have friends there now that have, I've known them forever. And, you know, I walk in yesterday, we have to get some sweet potatoes. I wanted to plan the, the week for the boys. So I needed to pick up some sweet potatoes for their meals. And um, I walk in, I know, I know what's going to happen. But we walk in, I have a clown mask, dude, that it is like scary as hell. Like, <laughs> imagine seeing like this big dude with this clown mask. So the guy at the door, you know, half brain dead, young guy is just like, he hands me the mask. And I'm like, oh, you want me to wear the mask? He's like, yeah. I was like, okay, I, don't worry. I got you. So I put on the mask and I walk in and Desmond puts on a Spider-Man mask. So mm -hmm. we're walking in, I'm, I'm picking out some stuff and I hear the alarm go off like the, like a security alarm, like, like, like someone's getting paged. And here comes the same manager that I had an altercation with in August who kicked me out of the store when I was going maskless the whole time. And all of a sudden in August was when he wanted to enforce it. So here he comes and he's like, sir, you, you have to wear a different mask. And I was like, why? And he was like, well, because for security reasons, you can't wear that. I'm like, okay. I was like, well, what do you think about the mask? He's like, that's irrelevant, sir. I was like, no, it's not. What, what do you think about it? Because, I mean, don't you think this is ridiculous when this is going to end? He's, oh, he says, well, it's going to end when they tell us it's going to end. 
And I was like, why don't you stand up for it like a man? <laughs> I go, I told him, why don't you stand up like a real man? And he goes, because I like my paycheck. And I was like, okay, Jeez. okay. You know, like I honestly, at that point I was like, damn, I'm being a jerk. And I was like, you know, there's people that are just every single day. I can't imagine this. It just kills me to think about people every day having to wear a mask for eight to 10 hours a day. And I know people who are breaking out, you know, having all types of issues. So a little bit of humanity, you know, I'm not perfect, but yeah. <laughs> uh, sometimes yeah. we get some perspective. So if you're going to wear a mask, that's a, that's a great mask. Brother, it was great to have you on, man. Great, great, great show. Oh, yeah. Always great chatting with you. Long overdue, man. I love the work that you're doing and just let's keep creating and collaborating and just changing the world. So thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you. Likewise, brother.